0: Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set out on a quest to create the greatest podcast. i uh, sorry, dude.
1: I uh, thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia.
0: No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's it's pronounced Appalachia.
2: Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff.
0: These... Ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. When you start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. <laughs> this goose
2: has
1: gone rabbit. And you think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the Goose Squad?
3: Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia. Are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie, breach, and they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area, constantly searching for answers mm. that they probably will never ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian intelligence. One.
0: Hey there, hill folk, and welcome back to another episode of Appalachian Intelligence. We're extremely thankful that you guys can join us again for another week, for another episode uh, with you, per the usual, your hosts, Justin, Ryan, and Lance. <laughs> hey, you boys. How are you boys doing tonight? Sorry, Lance just popped back up on screen and kind of messed with me right there. <laughs> How you boys doing tonight?
1: Lance is doing great. He loves y'all, but uh, he has no voice. Oh, never mind. He still loves you, but he's gone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he does love you, but he doesn't have a voice. After he was making fun of me on last week's episode and my quote ginger immune system, now he's sick. He don't have a voice. So, well,
1: in his defense, it mixed with ginger blood and transformed into something horrible. And then you, your sputal, yeah, as you were coughing in the vehicle, goes over on plants and now he's got that down super bug
0: hey that's what i do i'm a super spreader son i spread it all love viruses it doesn't matter i spread it all anyway back to the show so you guys know when we get five star reviews we love to when we get love we love to show a little love and share it uh so our latest five star review comes from kentucky dozer guy It's five stars. It says a truly great show. Hey, hill folk found you guys after listening to the hollow sky podcast, and I've been slowly making my way through your catalog and enjoying it very much. So glad to find a show from this area, not playing to the stereotypical hill folk of it. Sounded like a freight when it hit the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, keep up the great work and I'll keep listening. So (laughs) Kentucky dozer guy, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, the love and the five-star review. We really appreciate it. And just keep sharing the show, man. Keep sharing the show. We appreciate all y'all out there. But fortunately, especially since Lance dipped out on us tonight, you don't have to just listen to me and Ryan, because uh, I know that gets a little trying for you guys. We have a couple really awesome special guests for you Hill folk tonight. These guys – are the scientists of the supernatural, undertakers of the uncomprehensible, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. Justin and Jay from cryptids of the corn podcast. Boys, how y'all doing tonight?
2: Living the dream. Fantastic.
0: Good. (laughs) Glad to
3: be here really
2: happy to be here. I don't know if I can live up to that intro, but
3: yeah, geez, quite a high praise. Hey,
0: look, I just call it like I see it, boys. I call it like I see it. <laughs>
3: well,
1: we Justin's, appreciate you Justin's guys, is really good at those. He's, uh, I compliment him all the time.
0: Look, everybody's <laughs> got to be good at something and I'm not good at anything else except introductions. <laughs> so.
3: Hey, it's good. I liked it. It works. What are you good at, Jay? Shoot
2: bowling, there you go. <laughs> hey,
0: that's something. That's something. I'll take it.
2: He just got done bowling. And I just got done playing euchre.
0: Yes, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Everybody's got. That's what you do. Everybody's got to have hobbies.
2: <laughs>
0: but no, guys, it's really, really great to have you guys on here tonight. You know, we're really excited about this episode and have been excited for weeks now. You know, when we decided on a date and. uh you know, like I said earlier, huge fan of your guys show, you know, me and Ryan will listen to to certain episodes and chop it up about it, you know, and kind of just talk about different parts of it and, and how you guys really blow our minds in a whole lot of areas. Like, man, I've never thought of it like that. Or I, I didn't know this, um, but it's just, it's a great show. So all you heel folk out there before we even get started and I even allow them the opportunity to introduce themselves and promote their podcast, go look up Cryptids of the Corn right now, leave a five-star review and rating, and then go listen. Because I'm telling you, as soon as you do, you're going to be grateful that you left that five-star. But, Justin, Jay, before we dive into all the ooey-gooey goodness of what we got planned (laughs) for tonight, why don't y'all let the Hill Folk know a little bit about yourselves, how the show got started, and a little bit about what you guys do.
2: Well, I'll introduce myself real quick because Jake has got this feel for how we all got started and all that. Jake loves doing that. So I'll, uh, I was basically, I was a fisheries technician, which is in layman's term, like a fishery biologist. It's just the easiest way to explain it. So I was a field biologist. Uh, I did endangered species surveys, eDNA. Uh, I was looking for things that was said not to exist and we found them. So that's what I did for a living. Uh, I don't do that anymore. I tore my knee out last year. So I'm, uh, I just can't. I just physically can't do it anymore. That's partially why this got rolling because I actually had time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of hair. I raised fancy poultry, um, and I have a bunch of salamanders.
3: <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and then I'm. I've been a bartender and worked at a bowling alley for the longest time. And Justin's one of our faithful <laughs> Tuesday night patrons that always frequents the place. I've, so-
2: I've supported that place
3: i feel yeah right right and we come from a pretty small town so you know you got a lot of frequent guests that come in and out but it's just one night as bartending justin stops up and asks me if i believed in bigfoot
2: aggressively
3: yeah (laughs) i was drinking (laughs) pretty aggressively and i might have had a few drinks that night too so of course i said yes because i do and you know being that job i have a lot of free time or my you know you go home with your mind still racing you know from the (laughs) conversation of the day but I had always had a lot of interest in this field. So of course I said yes, because I do believe in Bigfoot. And then that's kind of set it off. And he's like, you know what? We should start a podcast. Let's talk about it. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Why not? I don't care. Never done that before. So we started it. And then, you know, he kind of blows my mind with the stuff that he comes up with. Because I have not come from that fishery biologist background, biology at all. I liked it in high school, but that's about as far as it goes for me. So it, you know, you know he kind of inquired i inquired a lot of questions with the things he brought to the table and then bounced back and forth like that and and then here we are today
0: nice <laughs> nice i love it
2: so and we like to say the podcast is where uh, scientific and magical thinking combine
3: mm-hmm. uh cuz i'm pr- i'm pretty free thinking myself i'm i I believe in just about any and every possibility cuz i don't believe anything I don't believe we actually know anything when it comes down to the end of the day. Oh my gosh. I'm so sick of hearing that. And, you know, <laughs> so, and he does know a lot of things, which you'll soon find out. And, you know, sure. And a lot of that really applies to, you know, things that are explained today and he can explain it in a different way with using actual evidence and things like that. And that's just not really talked about too often. And then yeah. I'll just come from a whole, Whole other angle at it is you know as maybe as far fetched as my brain can think of because it might be true.
2: Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Indeed. <All> right, <laughs> but we've, not- been,
3: we've been recording all day, so it's just like I'm. I'm sick
2: of Jay at this point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, me and Ryan like work. To- me and Ryan work together, so I've also been with him all day. Not in the same context as you boys, but I've literally stood on the other side of a planer looking at that face all day long. So, you know, by the time we get to recording nights, it's like, God, what are we even going to talk about? Right. <laughs> we've, already, we've already done it. We've already done it.
1: We've talked about it
2: all day.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
2: we used to just sit up there and drink and talk about this stuff until we put a microphone in front of it.
3: Right, exactly, yeah.
2: And then we stopped drinking while we did it because it got bad. Yeah, we, had a, we tried
3: that one episode. It just didn't end well. We're like, hey, let's get drunk today and then record after it.
2: Well, we had... Uh, 10 hour cornhole tournament before we try to record and we drank the whole time. Nice. I don't even know how we hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> it's sweet. Not one of our favorite episodes. Oh, gosh, <laughs> you know, We had to pour ourselves into the studio and everything. It was
3: bad. Yeah.
0: You're going to have to let me know which episode that is. Cause I need to go it's listen to it. It's
3: the Hodag episode. Nice. Yeah, it's Hodag. The experience was not as fun as the thought. I, we came
2: right in a, this is so quick. Just (laughs) about to pass out. Like, let's just get this done. We got to do at least forty-five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to read the paper.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Long time ago. But no, I do. I love the dynamic that you two have. Uh, It reminds, in a different way, but it reminds me a lot of the dynamic that you know we have here on on this show. And it's not by any means because of the background that you have in, in the sciences, but it's just the differences of personality and, and thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I believe it all. Just give it to me. I believe it <laughs> all. I am gonna take it hook, line and sinker. And even if I don't believe it, I'm going to talk myself into believing it. Like this is <laughs> yeah. the way I am. Ryan. Well, Ryan, you can tell them how you are.
1: Yeah, no, I need, you know, I need some proof there. And I need you to show me some scientific evidence that doesn't contradict it in any way whatsoever. You know, and,
0: and then that. yeah, and yeah. then
1: Lance—that's what Lance, I'm saying.
0: <laughs> Lance is a you know he's a he's a happy medium. You know he's he's not too far off the deep end. You know, in Justin's crazy corner, but he's right. also he's also not ryan you know he can he can go a little farther out there and, and has a little more belief and not saying that ryan doesn't believe in certain things but like he said just takes a lot more evidence for him than it does mm-hmm. me i'm just ready to jump on it so I, <laughs> I, I love that dynamic and i think that's what makes well i think that's why i enjoyed y'all show so much just right off the jump is because I heard that dynamic and I was like, oh man, this is this is great. This is great. <laughs> and not not also what I love about it, and I don't mean this in any derogatory way at all, because I'm a super nerd in a lot of areas, but y'all are super nerds and I love it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
3: <laughs> I love oh, yeah,
1: I yeah we're pretty nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. I said That's- there's one
3: thing we definitely both agree on is that. Like, the truth doesn't mind being questioned, and a lie does not like to be, uh, or does not like to be challenged. Exactly. I agree with that. I mean, both definitely agree on that. Yeah. You just approach it from very different angles. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll throw a pen
2: every once in a while.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, boys, Well, let's dive into it, because.
2: So, yeah, you asked us on here. Yep. For a very specific topic. Absolutely. And I'm going to, it's organic UFOs. So you really love the one type, and that's kind of the type we talked about on Tony's show. Uh, But there are are several types and some information. So I was going to give you some background information before we get into the actual living creatures.
0: Sure. And I like
2: to say that this only represents about 5% of UFO sightings. Uh, Because I think that's maybe some of the stuff that people misunderstood is I was... Saying this is all UFOs, it's not. This is a very small section of UFOs that fit into these boxes. Um, but layers of the atmosphere. So we live in the troposphere. That's the little bubble we're in. And that goes to about 10 miles up. And this is the layer that holds the most heat, uh, just due to being below the ozone layer and stuff like that. The next layer up is the stratosphere, and that is 11 miles to 31 miles. And then after that is the mesosphere, which is 32 miles or 85 miles so there's more layers that but we don't for this we don't really look into them uh just due to them the layers of the atmosphere start separating as in the gases themselves stop being mixed and they start laying on top of each other uh so it's very hard for a creature to any kind of organics to live there just due to that you know it's it's not an environment that's suitable to normal life in this system uh the specific layer we like to talk about So, do you know, most people say the human eye can only see about 10 miles unabated normally. And a lot of these creatures are translucent or reflective. So you probably can't, like, we had a, well, we have somebody coming on Friday and we have somebody coming on
3: Monday, I believe.
2: Yeah. About organic UFOs, witnesses. And the one person was like a half mile away, having trouble seeing it. It was just like, she thought it was phasing in and out. And I told her it more looked like it was a translucent creature. And as it turns, you're just catching the edges of it. Uh, like you've all seen jellyfish and stuff like that. At some angles, you can really see them. At other angles, they look like water. Yeah. The, so the stratosphere and the mesosphere have a really unique relationship. As you go up in the stratosphere, it gets warmer again. So after you break, so the ozone layer is basically at the bottom of the stratosphere, right above the trope where we live. As you go up, it gets warmer. And once you hit the mesosphere, as you go up, it gets colder. So right where those two meet, there's a bunch of liquid water or vapored water. And it's really nice and warm. Well, not really. It's nice, 40 degrees. But we have stuff that lives under the Antarctic ice sheets and stuff like that, big animals. So it's warm enough for big life. Right. Uh, so that's the layer we you look at that most of these life forms are probably living in the majority of their time. Uh, it's the 25 miles to 45 miles up. I know I've just said a whole lot of stuff with no proof, and I have no proof of this. It's just, <laughs> I think they're starting to look. So NASA did, we all, I know everybody in here probably has opinions on NASA.
0: Absolutely. I know
2: I definitely do. Never a straight answer, not a space <laughs> agency. I like never a straight answer. Jay likes not the space agency. Not a space agency. I can't speak.
0: I like just another <laughs> no, form of the variation of the word Nazi. That's my favorite.
2: I mean, that's how they were founded.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly.
2: I think people forget that
0: yep yep
3: uh when are they gonna start denouncing NASA probably never probably
2: books
0: probably when Elon decides to uh shut down uh SpaceX because they are they are mad at Elon right now, so
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so NASA did studies in thirteen fifteen and just recently nineteen, and they use these and I'm going to, it's going to be kind of hard to explain because I, I showed Jay a picture of him and I couldn't explain it. <laughs> but when my line of work, we had guys that did bug and bacteria research and they built these things called hestrodendies in river systems, in river systems, water. And they're basically, we call them bug hotels. You basically, it means for bacteria and other microbes too, but you build an environment that's perfect for them. and has food. So you put these in the system and any species that's there clings onto these. So it's a good way when we go back to the lab to look at what species are present in these areas. Uh, Good luck spelling Hestradendi. I can't (laughs) spell it for you. Uh, So we put a similar thing in the upper atmosphere with with giant balloons. And they collected, when we did these studies, we were only expecting to find half a dozen species. And we actually found somewhere around 4,000 species of creature. And every clade of invertebrate <clears> life. Every major clade of inver- invertebrate life was found up there. Wow. So that means uh, clades a little bit before family. So it's still very uh, open. It's not like, you know, there's not earthworms up there, stuff like that. But including some members that are related to jellyfish. So there were jelly, there are jellyfish cre- like the creatures up there right now we know about. Here's the problem with these studies is they never went above the ozone layer. Because it's uh, before this, I mean, just so 2000, I think 13 or 15 was the first study. And then we didn't think anything was up there, living. And if it was, it was because it got blown up there and it died very shortly after. So we just now started looking at it as, okay, there's a lot of life up here. But we, now we still have that bias that it's not above the ozone layer. So it's still bias. And the reason that we don't think it's above the ozone layer is the radiation. But the levels of radiation up there, we have creatures right now that survive it like nothing else. So it's not super high level. It's, it's within life's factors. We have creatures on this surface of this planet right now. Tardigrades are a famous one. Water bears, I'm sure you guys heard of them. Yes. Uh, and there's like six, six or 7,000 species for them. So not every species of tardigrade can survive in space. Not every species of tardigrade can survive radiation. But there are members of that group that can survive intense solar radiation the vacuum of space for 10, you know, 10, 20 years. Uh, So we have creatures that are built to survive this. The other way you can do it is be like a jellyfish. And basically every cell in your body is a stem cell and you just keep healing. Uh, We talked about the immortal jellyfish. I don't You guys ever heard about this species?
0: No, I don't think so.
2: Sorry. As you can tell, I like to talk.
1: Hey,
0: look, I love it.
2: Yeah. So it makes this job easy, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jellyfish have a crazy reproductive system. Uh, So, but there are male, female jellyfish where they've both parts and they really sperm an egg and they form a zygote, kind of like us so far, except the zygote turns into a little fish-like structure. This little fish-like structure swims to the bottom of the ocean, bites onto a rock, and then melts down to jelly and then forms what looks like a flower, like a long stem with a flower on the end. Inside that flower, another another flower forms, and another flower forms, and another flower forms on top of each other. When it's done, that bottom flower becomes jellyfish. And then this one comes, the jellyfish, and this one becomes a jellyfish. So it's super weird. The immortal jellyfish can do that. They can produce offspring like every other jellyfish. But let's say they are super damaged beyond repair. What they will do is melt their whole self down and become a zygote and restart the whole process themselves. So they're, in essence, immortal.
0: Wow. So it's like jellyfish Amen. reincarnation. They're reincarnating the same creature. Yeah, themselves. That's
2: wow. It's it's like you hitting old age, and then hitting a button and becoming an infant again.
1: (laughs) And we don't know how
2: long they can do this. So, and there's arguments about this. Everything in the biological field has arguments and stuff because it's hard. hard, You can't prove it because there's no genetic markers to prove how old it is. But I seen one estimate. They think one in an aquarium is forty thousand years old.
0: Holy crap!
2: Heavily debated. Give me. Yeah, I'll say it's heavily debated, but we know we it's almost impossible to tell because they don't die like like we do. They can be eaten. Don't get me wrong. Uh, They can definitely be eaten by something that ends that cycle. (laughs) But if you're just in a square tube with food and water, they could go on forever whenever they hit old age or they get tore up. That's the other thing. They'll be missing half their body. Like, all right, well, I can't heal this. Just melt down and restart. So those wow. type of creatures have been found. Well, the family members in that clade have been found up there. So now we have these creatures. So I guess what I was saying with that is these creatures can reproduce their cells so fast that they can kind of get rid of the, or be, get over that radiation factor. They don't get cancer like us, you know, it's a very different system. And I think that's where a lot of pro- people are having trouble understanding is they're trying to put our limitations onto nature and it just doesn't work. Right. Mother nature has filled every spot of available space on this planet. And for you to tell me that it's not taking advantage of the biggest environment, I won't believe it. Yeah. That is the biggest most open environment that we cannot see and we cannot study very easily. You think the bottom of the ocean's hard. Not just try to sit at, you know, 40 miles up and try to collect uh jelly samples.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. not the
2: easiest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I told you, temperatures, stuff like that. We talk about the, the upper atmosphere is really, really similar to the open ocean. Both the pressure extremes, the lack of hard surfaces. So any creature that develops any size up there would get very, so a couple options, you get very big. Open ocean gigantism, you get big because it's easier to travel long distance. It's easier to store vast quantities of food, especially if food's not available very often. So like whales, think of whales, is that when they will travel, They that's why they get so big is they can travel long distances to get to areas without a lot of available food. And then they can take full advantage of that resource. They just, can just eat and eat and eat. Uh, and it just, it's just so easier to travel. So that's the one thing. The other thing is you get invisible because uh, a lot of open ocean fish, especially larval fish, are almost 100% transparent. So you get what we're going to talk about here later. I'm I'm setting up stuff so you see some similarities.
0: Yeah, I love it.
2: Uh, You get very transparent. Just so predators and prey can't see you because there's nothing to hide. You get really, really good at camouflage, like sargasso fish. Look just like piles of weeds. Uh, In the frogfish family, uh, they got little legs and stuff like that. Or you get incredibly fast. So think of both flying fish and marlin. Flying fish would be the prey. They also can fly out of the water, but they can swim at the 50 miles per hour. And the Marley, you know, get up to the 70s. So you get very fast because you don't have the option to hide. So the only way you win is you get away from these creatures by going really fast. Yeah. Because really fast. Right. I say that because that will come up later. Uh, but there's many types of these creatures. Um, you want me to get into them now or are you
0: yeah sure you, yeah i know absolutely i talk
2: a lot just yell at me when you to stop
0: no this is this is great i feel like i am sitting front row in a college classroom listening to the best professor on campus okay
2: mister E. i've been blushing all this whole time mr e so the first category we're going to talk about is uh one that's near and dear to our hearts personally is the manta ray stick shaped. Mm -hmm. So these are giant gelatinous creatures. They're almost hundred percent transparent with a blue or like kind of silvery tinge. Uh, You can see through them distortedly. Um, This is the first organic UFO we ever talked about. And we immediately got like stories of people saying, Hey, I heard your show. I had this encounter. I'd never heard anything like it until you guys did this episode. And here's my story. And we got more and then we got more and then we got more. These things are fairly common as far as we go with UFO encounters and stuff you know it's, right, yeah. this
3: they're seen often it's definitely probably the most one of the most common ones that so, we've studied or talked about or the researched. larger uh,
2: they can be from the size of a biplane to the size of a Boeing. Uh, that's kind of where they're reported in is their range. Uh, almost everybody that's seen them has reported a sense of awe as in not fear. They, some of these people are very close to these creatures but it's like seeing a whale you're not scared but you're just like that is so big and immense it's just not threatening anything like that um they are seen flapping so manta ray shaped but not manta ray like it's kind of hard to explain until you see a picture or a a drawing of one but they flap their wings uh as they flap they don't move the air around them it seems the one story we got the trees were below it and as it was flapping really slow and gently it wasn't rustling the trees. For hmm. them, it's probably a gas-filled creature that's using that flapping to steer,
3: hmm.
2: not to produce
3: lift. We've also talked about maybe it being riding like an electromagnetic current. Too.
2: Yeah, something like, like that. Way. It's basically static. The, 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 the Earth has an electromagnetic shell, and there may be some sort of biological system that kind of latch onto that and climb the layers.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. So
2: that's why it moves so slow. And... They get big. So think of them as whales. Because we're going to talk about some predators later. Uh, And they move a lot faster.
3: Mm -hmm. But these guys are big and slow. Basically like big filter feeders.
2: Yeah. So why don't you tell the story?
3: So like the the probably most famous account or well-documented is the Ohio River Manta Ray. And I was seen first one night. uh, I was a couple, I believe. They seen it flying doing figure eights.
2: 2003.
3: 2003, yes. Doing figure eights over the Ohio River. And what Justin has speculated is the figure eight is a filter feeding pattern. It's the most efficient way to filter feed. So it was possibly just eating what was ever above the river at that moment. And they seen it doing these patterns and then it slowly drifted back up into the sky and they didn't see it anymore. And then was it just like a week later? It was the next night, the next night. Okay. The next night, um, not too far from that same area, It was a group of people witnessed that about pretty much the same exact thing and neither had reported their story to like authorities, you know, or any newspaper or anything like that until after both had been seen. Then both um, accounts had been reported on and they basically reported the same thing without knowing each other's account. So kind of almost almost confirms what they were seeing. They were seeing the same type of thing without the bias of knowing, you know, hearing the other person's story first.
2: If I can say something about the filter feeding motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what it, it means by the figure eight or this pattern, uh, you guys ever seen videos of manatees rays actually feeding? Mm-hmm. So they do this yep. twist. And why they do that twist is to pull, it's a suction or a, like a vacuum motion to pull food back into the spot. They're about to come back to. So it's resetting the next pattern. Whales do this. Uh, whale sharks do this. Manatees do it. It's this pattern to set up the most efficient way to feed these creatures specifically those open ocean creatures. They survive off of being efficient, even though they're huge. They need to move as little as possible with getting the most amount of food. So every little twitch is a there's a reason behind it. If you look at basking sharks, another filter feeding shark, they go tail to tail to tail to tail because that's an efficient motion. It creates these swirls around the back end of them and puts more food in the one behind its mouth. So these movements are very direct. It's not just willy-nilly flapping, and that was what was important with the story to me. when we first did it, I was like, that's a hundred percent of feeding motion. Uh, so that's something that somebody in 2003 on the side of the Ohio river wouldn't know to include in their story.
0: Right. Yeah. More credit to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that makes a ton of sense.
3: Do the manta rays Man. and the um, the amoeba forms. they will look of... into them. Okay. Okay. They're a little different, but they're my they're I mean, cousins. Yeah.
2: Uh, but yeah, so that's the manta rays. Uh, they've been seen fairly often. Uh, there are hundreds of stories of these things. And they're seen almost everywhere, like every and the whole, layer. Yeah, yeah. In the, the whole uh, the whole planet, uh, they tend to favor mountain ranges. They tend to be seen around storm systems. Hmm. So there's two reasons for this. Uh, upper atmosphere. Uh, we actually have measured the nitrate or the nitrate, nitrate, the nutrient load from the surface level being pushed up into the upper atmosphere. This is almost always around mountain ranges in storm systems so if you're a big filter feeder these are the areas you're hanging out to get the most access to food the easiest way so we put a very this is the very biological sense behind their behaviors so like we do have reports of them like out in kansas and stuff like that but not very often you know they really are seen on both coasts because there's just mountain ranges on both coasts uh south america all along the mountain ranges in chile and stuff like yep. that uh africa australia um so there's they're almost always around these mountain ranges or seen around storm systems.
3: Hmm. Uh,
2: So yes, it's very, these are my, one of my favorite types for sure. Very graceful. I love whales. So I love the whales, the upper atmosphere too.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Ready for the next type? Are you got any questions about manta rays?
0: No, absolutely. I was just thinking, you know, I've, I've actually heard a couple stories, a couple accounts of people seeing and talking about these manta ray like creatures or, or, you know, they called them UFOs, obviously. But, you know, seeing these manta ray shaped style, the way they move, you know, in the sky. And and when you're hearing it, then you're like, you know, what in the world? Like, what could that be? You know, like, what kind of technology is out there that could that could, you know, imitate a manta ray? So I love I love this that. Oh, no, no, it's it's you know, it is a manta ray. <laughs> I love I it.
2: <laughs> there is one thing I did forget to say. At the top is convergent evolution. And I'm using that word as in the species adapting over time, not the whole theory of evolution. But convergent evolution is when two species that are unrelated evolve to look similar or have the same body plan because they do the same niche, the same job in the environment. So that would be why these creatures look physically kind of like a manta, right? because that body plan is very efficient to be a big filter feeder. Okay. That's why whale sharks and whales look very similar because they do the same thing. Yeah. So it's just nature will make the same key to fit the same hole, even though the backgrounds are very different. Yeah. That's when you'll see that pop up a lot. A lot of these creatures mimic open ocean creatures because it's the same environment, relatively speaking. You know, it's not once, you know, they're very different, but there's a lot of similarities.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I wonder, I I now have, I have a theory about these creatures. Mm -hmm. It just came to me. What if when people take certain drugs that affect the pineal gland in their brain, what if doing that causes you to be able to see on a different spectrum of light and these are the hallucinations they're seeing?
2: And that could be. I think that there may be later on something with them uh, talking to you. Or some version of something similar talking to you. Mm, yeah. Because uh, they mm. seem... That's the last type. You guys already know what it is, but everybody at home may not. Put uh, a pin, they put seem a pin to in be that very, question. <laughs> very excited that you figured out how to talk to them.
1: Put a pin in that question.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, but the, the man I do feel, are just animalistic in nature. They're probably jellyfish-like. Uh, very low, if any, intelligence Everything from their motions and their biological systems seem to not have a lot there. Just like a jellyfish. Jellyfish are amazing creatures, but they're not going to score very well at any type of intelligence <laughs> test. Right. Not having yeah. the brain you know, kind of hurts that. Or right. any kind of central nerve system.
0: It's kind of like
1: and Ron. Jellyf-
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, the, the next one are these sky squids. Oh, and man. you guys ever heard of a blanket octopus? No. All right, so these guys get mistaken for mermaids, sea turtles, and sharks. So the blanket octopus females. So the males are less than a couple inches wide. Females can get over ten foot wide or ten foot long. But their two of their tentacles have these large flaps of skin that look like blankets. Uh, they go really long past the body and everything like that. They're open water squid or open water octopuses, which is kind of rare for an octopus in the midwater column. But what these guys do is they're really good at mimicking shapes. And including humans, there have been people that have drowned trying to save drowned humans. So they see this human figure down below, and they're diving down to save them, and then it turns into a sea turtle and takes off.
0: Holy And that's because they're
2: mimicking. They're mimic. So when sharks are around, they take the form of a shark. Sharks don't normally mess with other sharks too often. So like, okay, I'm going to look like a shark. People, I'm going to look like a person so I don't get messed with. Sea turtles is one of the more favorite shapes because generally most mid-level predators don't mess with the sea turtle. It's not worth their time. Uh, you know, tiger sharks are sea turtle specialists. That's one of the few things that really go after large sea turtles. Um, but these things get mistaken for mermaids in the Gulf of Mexico constantly around uh, the oil rigs and stuff like that. Fishermen, they'll see what they claim is a sea turtle changing in to a mermaid. It's <laughs> an octopus, hyper-intelligent creature. So why I told you that is these sky squids kind of have the same body plan is there this basic trunk with a, with a body and what we assume the organs and stuff like that. And these two or three super long tendrils that come off and can open like kites, they can be huge, but they've also been witnessed to pull back into the body. And then it kind of goes, then it goes away very quickly. They start moving very fast. So what this is, is probably a communication display. So squids that we talk about in the ocean, the octopus, they communicate by color, by flashing colors, by talking. So this may be a way of long distance communication. It could be a breeding display Mm -hmm. of, Hey, this is how big and powerful I am. This is how much frill I can support in the air. And then when it's, Oh, is that a predator? It's time to take, you know, tuck in and take off. There's one video and I can send you guys the link here later where uh, a person outside of a jet videotaped these two, what she thought were kites that were intertwining with each other and kind of dancing. And then when the jet got too close, they took off, they pulled in their sails and, gone that it seems like a breeding display it seems like something two creatures that were trying to you know make more creatures and then the jet got too close time to go that's a predator disturbed him
0: way to go jet you ruined the romance
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, guy
1: What? guys what were the fans. chances i mean come on what were the chances
2: <laughs> i think they get seen a lot more often than people realize uh, so I think, and we could talk about that now or later, but I think they're dipping below the ozone layer, uh, kind of imagine the opposite of deep sea whales. Uh, there's these creatures called beaked whales. We know very little about them because their habitat in, uh, mostly the bottom of the ocean. The, you ever seen a tusked whale?
0: hmm Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what these guys are. They are the whales from old maps. They still exist today. Okay. A lot of these species are very threatened, but they literally have giant tusks coming out the side of their head. Um, but we don't know a lot about them because they spend so much time at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, but these guys will come up and warm up every once in a while. Humpback whales stop off the coast of Florida because it's where the jet stream gets as close to the shoreline as anywhere. So you got have these giant cold water, open ocean creatures. They'll kind of go somewhere shallow and warm to relax, you know, beach day. So I think these creatures that are living up in these upper layers are dipping down below that to warm up, to relax, uh, to maybe get away from predators. And I think when they get pushed down here, they're either feeding or they get knocked down here uh, just because they get caught up in a storm system. You know, some of these creatures are not very powerful. The manatees rays probably are not very powerful flyers. They're mostly most likely gas filled creatures that are can be at the will of the wind. Uh, your sky squids ha- seem to have more power. They seem to be more agile and stuff like that. But still probably very susceptible to storm systems. Yeah. We talk about the whale that ended up in the Amazon. You guys ever see that?
0: I don't think so. It no.
2: got caught up in a typhoon and a humpback whale got well died. It was dead, but got stranded in the middle of the Amazon rainforest.
0: What look up a picture?
2: Look yeah. up a picture, humpback whale, Amazon rainforest. That is nuts. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> that is and nuts. So it shows
2: that these massive creatures though are still at the will of the wind or at the will of the storm. Mother yeah. nature. Yeah. It don't matter how big you get, when a storm system comes by and you get caught in it, you're done a humpback whale you know suffered from this so i think the right so our jets are right at that level you know that 10 miles up is where most jets stay below so i think that's when we're getting these encounters especially with pilots we'll talk about here in a little bit where they're kind of hanging out but that's perfect uh do you guys have anything to say about sky squids no
0: they sound awesome though
2: yeah (laughs) one of the rarer types for sure but the one you see them they're pretty dramatic the next group I have for you is called cyanophores. That's a big word. Uh, so cyanophores are a creature that lives in the ocean. Creatures. They're what's called a colonial organism. Mm-hmm. So these guys are not one animal, even though you ever seen a man war man war jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's not a jellyfish. It's a cyanophore. It's a cyanophore. That's actually thousands of different creatures that are holding together to form one body. The tentacles mm-hmm. are one thing. The bell's one thing. The steering rudders are one thing. So you have all these deep sea creatures and open ocean creatures that are actually a bunch of little tiny guys that are kind of holding hands to form a body. You have creatures that are specifically designed for digestion. It's a really primitive way to first form a multicellular organism. But some of these creatures were so effective, they didn't go, they didn't get you know, changed. They just like, this works. You know? Some of the strangest creatures you will look up on the internet. Are in the cyanophore family. They look like worms with kites and horns attached to them. They look like pigs. They look like all these freaks because it's not one <laughs> creature; it's a whole bunch of creatures that are forming one body and reacting together. Huh. Very unique creatures. The, the world's a wonderful place.
1: You're blowing yeah. my mind, man. This is <laughs> well. You, <laughs> wanted,
2: you wanted science. I had yes. to live up to the intro.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Look, you're living up to so, it.
2: Basically, I, another thing is you can't make up a cryptid that's weirder than something that already exists in nature. I don't care who no. you are. I can point to you something that's 10 times weirder.
0: That's true, man. That's true. Exists. That's true. And that's so, awesome.
2: That's These cyanophores, I, their, their general shape is very worm-like. Imagine super long worms. Most of the time, they're either black or transparent with organs inside of them. And they're, uh, they're segmented like a worm. But each segment is more ballooned out. They're not as smooth. Most of the time, they look like they have a hammerhead that's really, really dark. So you ever heard of a bobbit worm? I know I'm giving you all kinds of creatures names. So bobbit worms, you've seen them have big, long jaws, and they snap shut. I think that's more of what we're seeing here is that's the actual jaws that are hanging off the side for aerodynamics, and the creatures behind it. So a famous story I'll give you is the twister worm. Uh, So May third, ninety nine, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So... The witness was a storm chaser and, you know, Oklahoma gets tornadoes constantly. Yeah. And she go or they go out and they get, you know, really close to this nice. What was it? I can't remember. I have it. category four, big tornado monster. So they get close to it and she sees what she thinks is a piece of clear, like like a 200 foot long piece of clear piping is caught in the tornado. And so she's like, okay, she's recording it. And then she realized it's a creature with this. It's a clear creature. You can see the organs inside of it. And you can see this giant hammerhead shape. And it looks like it's swimming in and out of the tornado. Uh, and it's also followed by hundreds of similar creatures that are very much, are a lot, a lot smaller. that look like they're trying to hug onto the body of the big one. All around it. Yeah. All around it. And then she sees it come out. She sees it go back in. And then they just, you know, the tornado carries on. And she actually gave up storm chasing to it. It scared her so deeply. The creature she did not like the look of it. It was very, very unearthly to her. But yeah, so that's the twister worm encounter. Uh this, you know, the biology behind us is probably similar to that of a bobbit worm. These sacks we're seeing, these segments of the body, are probably gas-filled. And you ever heard of the Crawfordsville monster? Mm-mm. It's another similar kind of cryptid from the uh 1800s, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh had an eye in its mouth and it had this big jaw and it had all these. So cyanophores have these, what look like hairs. They're actually fins running down their body. And that's what these creatures have. Uh, but so the, the actual segments are gas filled most likely. And they use these little hairs, these little fins to speed up and be very, very aggressive and very, very fast. very, very maneuverable. You know, and not having a fixed body like that. These are probably your sharks. These are probably your predators. Uh, they've seen everything. There's hundreds of, sto- hundreds of stories about them. They seem very fast, very fluid, and very, very agile. I think these are your guys that are eating everybody
3: else. Hmm. Predators. Mm-hmm. What, would, what would that be compared to in the ocean?
2: Your sharks. These are your sharks. There you go. Uh, these are your guys that aren't as big as some of the other guys, but they're not somebody you want to be around. They're aggressive or could be. Yeah. I don't think they're messing with people a whole lot just because of their biology but it's definitely something you don't want to be in front of if you don't have to.
0: Yeah, for <laughs> sure. That's,
2: I mean, that's uh, wild. The next one is atmospheric amoebas.
3: And just recently, Tom DeLong, that dude from blink 182, you know, he's doing like UFO disclosure, yeah, which I don't, name. I don't know if I really believe all this I don't stuff. Trust him. You know, I think it might be misdirection or whatever it could be, but he did just talk about recently about, sky amoebas and you said there's so many of them up there which i thought was kind of interesting they are that they it was mentioned <laughs> maybe soft disclosure some somehow
0: well but i think I, I think sorry sorry i didn't mean to cut you off right no, it's there okay. i think tom delong falls into that category of there's a hint of truth there yeah. somewhere just so yeah. just so you can steer people and, and make them hang on to that hint of truth And then take Mm -hmm. everything else in and say, "Oh yeah, dude's totally legit. Like he's he's getting all like (laughs) like he's acting like he's the modern day Bob Lazar or something. You know, like it's right. I'm like, dude, we know he's not. Yeah, we know. Yeah, like listen, I played your album to death when I was a teenager. Like I get it. (laughs) Yeah, but just because you were uh, had your pants down and toilet paper streaming in the wind in a a super cool MTV video." doesn't mean that the government is going to call you up and say, we're going to tell you right. everything we know about UFOs and aliens.
3: And, you know, he might be 100% believing it too. Like whatever they're feeding him or whatever info he's got, he might believe it 100%. But, yeah, I think it works that way. You get that little nugget of truth and then add all this other crap in it and just steer you down in the misdirection land. Yeah.
2: Candy. So Candyman is like what you were describing the misleader, that little nugget, keep you going. Mm-hmm. Or what is the other one? Useful idiot. Yeah, useful idiot. Yeah, like here, here are you. We're gonna tell you everything. Go tell everybody. Yep. Go, go, go. Spread it for us. You are the chosen one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If anybody at home, if anybody ever tells you anything like that, you're the chosen one. We think you're that special. Here's this information. Run. It's a it's a trap. They're gonna eat you. Oh man. <laughs> I hear that all the time. They're gonna
3: eat you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Be careful. They give me a lot of like buttery stuff too. Yeah. They right. fatten- yeah, they're yeah. fattening me up. Yeah. Telling you it's just sit on the couch. Don't worry, we'll get it. Dang it! There's reasons you gotta be careful. Appalachia is a dangerous place,
0: hey, you, right? especially in Appalachia. That's for sure. <laughs> Even without people trying to butter you up,
3: <laughs> we're in the
2: Midwest part of Ohio. We're not in the foothills, right? Yeah, we
0: just got corn here. Hence the You're, it's still close though. You're close enough to the foothills of Appalachia that that we can we can, we can we know. can smell them.
2: I was gonna say. Uh, if I stand on the roof of this house, I think I can see them. <laughs> yeah, it's so flat here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can see till where it gets hilly. But yeah, atmospheric amoebas. So these guys are like living clouds. Uh, these guys don't have a shape as hard, like a hard shape, as we've talked about with the other types. They seem to be almost giant gas-filled sacks or amoeba-like. Um, a really famous story with them is the raining of bones in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, there's okay. giant... Yeah, this giant dirt cloud hung over this town and proceeded to throw up a whole bunch of gar bones and gar scales. So anybody at home that don't know, gars have basically they're armored fish. They have ganoid scales. So these scales are actually big chunks of bone they are interlocking. Uh, I think these guys are your scavengers. They seem to come around dumps, come around these areas that uh, have a lot of food being produced. They eat it, and whatever they can not they throw up just like a lot of creatures we have on this planet. Eat it all, digest what you can, get rid of the rest. Um, but these guys are seen almost exclusively around storm systems. Um, we had a friend that's coming on the show. Don't name who it is. I will
3: not.
2: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so we have a friend coming on the show that she witnessed what looked like a cloud and during the tornado. Around She filmed it. A cloud gets smacked out of the sky like it was a solid thing. And then zigzag through her neighborhood, trying not to touch anything. Like, this, she purposely, before I told her any of this, she told us this story before I, we even told her we were working on any of this. It was zigzagging around, like it was trying purposely not to touch anything. And then when it got to someplace, it felt, well, I think it felt safe. It disappeared. What most likely happened, in my opinion, is this is a very jellyfish-like or amoeba-like creature that has a very soft membrane. The storm system was causing it not to be able to get up in the atmosphere. So it's near hard structures. So jellyfish do not want to touch anything hard because it rips them apart. They're such you know softly built, it can be very dangerous. So that's why this creature was take. it was not changing its color or its appearance on the outside because it was focusing on not being ripped apart by mailboxes and trees. Then once it got somewhere safe and tucked back, it changed color like an octopus or you know some other creatures to fit the environment around it until probably the storm passed and it could get back up or it died. Um, when, the, when jellyfish die, there's not much left and they dissolve very quickly. Uh, we talked about the salamanders when they die. You know, a creature with bones and you know, organs like us, when they die, they pretty much dissolve in a day. Mm-hmm. Well, shoot, you have one. That yeah, day. I breed uh, salamanders and stuff. We had one pass when it was alive when we were in the studio in the morning. We came back, it was pretty much nothing. Nothing in the tank. so like it disappeared. <laughs> so you wow. can have these, these soft body creatures disappear very fastly. Like, but That's pretty much there's a couple stories of atmospheric amoebas. Most of the time, they get classified as living clouds or living fogs. Uh, the pink fog of Ireland is a f- kind of famous one that's been experienced for about two or three thousand years. And they just say it's kind of a big pink fog that kind of comes over to you, and you lay on the ground. You're supposed to lay on the ground and let it pass you. And they said it feels like a dog's tongue or a cat's warm, tongue. Or cats. dog or cat stuff that's going over top of your whole body, huh? Holy crap. So, these are your guys that look like clouds that are trying to be clouds.
0: Bunch of posers.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the last That's one I got paint. for you. <laughs> right. He's trying his best. That's <laughs> nice right, buddy. I mean, you ever heard like raining blood and stuff like that? hmm Oh yeah. So we had a story we just talked about recently. And that may have been, was that on Patreon? I can't remember. I can't remember it's, either. Yeah, it's but, too many. where Literally, one black cloud was hovering over this town, and it proceeded to rain blood, thick, viscous blood. But there was only one cloud, and then it threw up all. Well, I could say threw up because I have I have uh, opinions, <laughs> but it threw up all this blood and then left. Like it was just sitting there, threw up everything it didn't want and left. That one had a, like dozens of witnesses, including a pastor. It was, it was like on their shirts. Yeah, like he had his whole uh, his whole uh, gown and stuff was stained you know i think that one was in the 1800s too that's very biblical oh and then there was the one they shot that's i right. forgot about that you can kill these things just so everybody knows at home uh <laughs> a couple guys in chile a couple miners in chile uh basically seen one kind of flying really slow over and they proceeded to just keep shooting it until it crashed and died and wow. then kind of just yeah and then the Smithsonian came and cut it up
0: of course they did, freaking Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah. I just want you to know you gave you gave every card carrying member of the out there the green light <laughs> to just go out in their front yards and start shooting at every cloud that goes over. Please,
2: so. they're harmless. I promise.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we do not endorse the killing of these creatures.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I think they're we don't know what
1: trouble. role they play, man. We might right. need these guys.
2: I uh, agree. This last type, I think, wants us to go extinct because they were here first. But um, yeah, yeah, the flying silver disc, the living disc, these are your guys that seem to have some type of intelligence behind them. They are very fast, uh, very intelligent movements. They can stop on a dime. They can change really quickly. So the famous one is the Tic Tac UFO. Uh, in my when we first watched it, I even said this is like a dolphin playing with a tugboat this creature this thing is so much faster and more smooth in its movements it's like playing it's, t- it's playing with this fighter jet and when i got bored it just left and that's what dolphins do and it seems to be really intelligent um there are some other fame like there's a lot of these there's a famous one with the pilot uh had one of these things cruising near his jet and so I'm not a pilot, but I guess all pilots are supposed to have a signal mirror in their pocket in case they crash and stuff, so they can signal for rescue. So this UFO that he kind of he described it really weird as if the skin of it was quivering, but it was a solid shape as it was flying beside him going. I can't remember. It was like 500 some miles per hour. It was comfortably just hanging there. And he took this mirror out and he started flashing it. And the UFO sees it and starts flashing back the same pattern in random colors. And then he keeps doing this back and forth and they do this for like five or six minutes. And it seems whatever it was, got bored with the game and just kind of peeled off and left. He said, you know, he was going 500 something miles an hour and it just was out of there when it was done with the game. It was out. He seems to be very intelligent, very interested in us. Um, they are very interested in nuclear bases and power plants and junkyards. Garbage yards. Uh probably because it's really similar to their food source. So we think these guys are mushrooms, are fungus. Mm-hmm. These creatures are, and we'll talk about we got a lot to talk about for the fungus. I know you guys are waiting for this one. Sorry I had to do so much before an hour and oh, of stuff.
0: No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I just
2: feel like the other guys don't get enough love, and I love them too. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. We gotta show them love too. Big clouds yeah, need these love guys. too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big clouds and that's we need to do that as a sticker <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh no so these guys are hyper intelligent they kind of fit your classic ufo shape um so they're really interested like i said nuclear basis so fungi love well, some species you know that's a that's a gigantic group of, of organisms um they're more closely related to animals and they are plants but they are not closely related to anybody um but they love nuclear waste. Some species, the byproducts, they freaking love them. Junkyards, they love them. It's just a slurry of food uh, if you can eat that stuff. So, it's because that's one thing we did early on. It was really weird. We were talking about how many UFO encounters are right beside junkyards mm-hmm. and, and landfills.
3: It was a stupid number. It yeah. was a big, it, it was, was a, a weird coincidence. We,
2: and we're like, why? It's because these things are eating them. They are eating off these these fluid filled areas, highly nutritious food for them in vast amounts of quantities. Um, but yeah, incredibly fast. And the intelligence. So Betty, Betty and Barney Hill. Everybody knows Betty Barney Hill abduction. They were followed oh, yeah. by a craft, and then they you know they basically got pulled over, and then this craft came and landed down. So background of Betty and Barney Hill. Betty and her sister loved UFOs. They read every UFO book of the time. Uh, They were very open to having experience with UFOs. Barney lived a very scary, rough life. He was a postmaster in a town. He was a black man. But he was a postmaster in a time where black men were not allowed to have any authority. He was, you know, the head postmaster of his town. And he was well-liked in his town, but not when he was out. And he married a white woman in a time where that was a shootable offense. Yeah. So he would I feel so bad for the man, but he, so he was a ball of stress and nerves uh, and he died very, well, not very young, but he died young due to this. So he had the mindset, a very negative mindset going into this encounter. So you see these two approach a very similar craft with very similar entities, vastly different experiences. Betty, you know, was shown around the craft, got handed a book. She didn't get a key. Got all this nice, you know, talked to very nicely. Barney was borderline raped, uh, you know, Barney was tortured. So when we talk about psychedelics, your mindset affects your trip heavily. And I've never done psychedelics, so don't take my word for it, but we talked to people before we did that episode. Right. Yeah. Just to make sure.
3: I mean, it's, it's, I think it's well documented. Yes. Your state of mind going in really plays the big outcome on what experience you have when you are tri- tripping or whatever, whatever you're experiencing.
2: So the psychedelic property in mushrooms is psilocybin. Uh, So psilocybin can be, you know, most of the time you get it from magic mushrooms and you eat it, but they can also shed it in their spores and just have it on their skin or, you know, basically their surface. So you can just get high from being around certain species of mushroom. Uh, Not know what happens. So (laughs) I think these, these creatures are using this as a food feeding opportunity. So they leave and then they kind of, or in a, you know, a weird kind of state and they wake up closer to home, but they've already been driving. That's kind of like coming off a mushroom trip where you're kind of there, you're kind of not. Uh, and then you get home and then the men in black show up. And here's the famous question. They asked Betty, oh, asked yes, Barney, hundreds of questions. our only one stuck out to him. Did you have any nitrates in the car? And Barney's like, well, what the hell's a nitrate? You know, I don't know. And so the men in black goes through a couple of traits, You know, it could be processed food, fertilizer, blah blah blah. And he's like, I had 400 pounds of fertilizer in the truck. He's like, I don't even know why I had 400 pounds of fertilizer in the truck. I had 400 pounds of fertilizer in the truck. He's like, would well, you still have it? I like, oh, no, I don't. I don't know why. And then he, the men in black ended that line of questioning and moved on very quickly. In the 60s and 70s, this question was being asked almost every men in black interrogation. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, we found a list of like hundred. It was the questions them. they'd asked, and that was on every one of them. <laughs> the other famous one is a hot dog truck, and I believe this was in Illinois. I may be wrong. A hot dog truck guy got abducted, came back, sat in his truck after the abduction, and all the hot dogs were gone. Anybody knows, for your health, the hot dogs are full of nitrates. Uh, and there was a couple other fertilizer plants that uh, kept, UFOs kept stealing fertilizer. Why are UFOs stealing fertilizer? We're going to talk. It's high. If you are a fungi, it's a high dense food. So let's say you are an airborne creature. You're picking something to eat. That is the most value for its weight. Why they probably don't eat us? It's because we have a lot of parts that take a lot more work to digest and it's not worth the weight. You know, 200 pounds. I'm 300 pounds, but so 300 pounds of meat with blood and bone and stuff. It's too much work to digest versus 300 pounds of fertilizer which the food has already broke down for you it's right there you just got to take it so then it gets into the question well so fungi have uh mycelia networks are the vast networks of fungus like mushrooms that they use underground to communicate with each other in kind of like their vascular system the, uh, we have one fossil it's 810 million years old of a hyperdeveloped mycelia network so they were already developed like they are today 810 million years ago so they've had a hell of a long time to take all kinds of weird shapes they've survived every mass extinction with little to no effect they don't care they they just don't care uh so these flying ones seem to have some kind of intelligence and we talked about well i guess i should stop talking for a second you guys have anything i'm sorry (laughs) i get on a roll (laughs)
1: keep rolling man this is awesome
2: so these things seem to we want to talk about the abduction phenomenon these things seem to target repeat offenders like so these people that keep claiming uh, to have you know fetuses being implanted and then taken back out in four months and stuff like that they could be using us as a host species and people like well why are they using us Large-bodied mammals, what you want warm, pick the one that has health care. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. the cows, humans. Think about the population, too, the number of large-bodied creatures. Who are you picking? Are you going to mess with an elephant in Africa when there's 30,000 of them? Or are you going to pick the thing there's 8 billion of? Yeah. You know, what? Do you what's easier? And why do they use repeat ones? Well, if one person was a host very well, just keep using that one.
3: You know it works
2: and it could be some in you know, we i mean obviously we're speculating highly on the biology of a creature that may or may not exist <laughs> <laughs> so this is at this point this is storytelling just so everybody at home knows <laughs> it's educated storytelling but they could be so this is the abduction phenomena but these creatures seem to be very very intelligent uh they seem to appear metal at first until something hits them or they stop on a dime. There was that one on uh the Uinta base in that famous video yeah. of this UFO, this this classic Tic Tac or Holman shaped UFO dive bombing out of the sky like it just is fell. And at the last second twisting and taking off. It looked just like a bald eagle. Have you guys ever seen bald eagles? Uh, mm-hmm. how they select a mate? Yeah so everybody at home they lock claws and they just drop and Mm-hmm. you the male has to not let go before the female to prove that he's a worthy mate and bald eagles are documented hitting the ground and dying during this so it seems just like that there's all these things you can look at with these like these ufos like that it doesn't make sense looking at it from a nuts and bolts aspect but when you take this mindset and you look at it as it's an organic thing it makes all the sense all the pieces start clicking and this again is a just some ufos yes a small percentage. And because, you know, our black triangles, our ones that are beaming, you know, a whole bus aboard, you know, that's probably not something alive per se. Uh, But I do think there's this whole biology in the upper atmosphere that's above us that we are just every once in a while getting a glimpse of.
3: Because you can only see so much with your naked eye and there's only so much we've explored, just like the ocean. We explored 5% of the ocean. Yeah. How much of the atmosphere have we actually explored, you know?
2: None. I mean, pretty much, relatively speaking, you know, in percentage wise, it's the biggest available environment on the planet. You know, it goes 85 miles up and it's the whole planet.
3: Let's yeah. Just, let's just put some of our tax funding in on you know, something actually useful. Just build a giant net that reaches, you know, 50 miles <laughs> up in the sky. I, you, I, think you'll
2: get, I think you'll catch jelly. There we go. <laughs> Proof. Uh, but there was one important of when the first space shuttles were leaving uh, the, the, the planet, knew, it's whatever you want to believe. I know me and Jay argue on stuff. (laughs) There was one part they had green slime on the window. They didn't know what it was, and it was probably they hit a big cloud of something alive, (laughs) and it just didn't get out of the way in time. Huh?
0: They just got slimed. Ghostbusters slammed.
2: (laughs) What's the name of that ghost? The big green booger?
3: uh, The Slimer? Is it Slimer?
0: Slimer? Slimer.
3: Yeah.
2: But mushrooms you know, are a whole other topic, if you guys want to get into that. The actual intelligence of mushrooms, because I, I think this is very underrated. Yeah, 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 it, absolutely. It, it is.
1: Like, and if I'm not mistaken, we're even using mushrooms in, like, computer chips and things now.
3: Indeed. Mm-hmm. Like, to make them right.
1: faster, because that's how they can think.
2: It's it's freaking nuts. They're, they're faster than any other biological system, and they're faster than the electronic system. That is Their so- ability to transfer data is insane.
3: Uh, Do you guys know about the Japanese subway system? Oh, yeah. They use mm-hmm. slime molds? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Listen, they're, they're a
1: bit- I'm a huge fan of Paul Stamets. And that guy. Yeah, yeah I listen to him every chance I get. But yeah. That's nuts. Redesign so, the entire subway system.
2: Efficiently. More efficient than any human could ever think. Yeah. Because it's all they're not smart like us they're very different it's what i like to say it's halfway between a robot and a human it's still the same probably the same level of intelligence but the way they think the way they interact is probably somewhere in the middle you know right. they're not fully computerized where it's you know ones and zeros kind of mm-hmm. lateral thinking but they're not hyper emotional hyper in depth beings like us they're probably somewhere in the middle or they have some type of emotional you know, connection, but they also think on a weighing it out, food versus you know, food versus cost kind of metric. They're, they're, that's why it's, whole, it's hard to understand them is because they're alien, not as an alien from another planet. Alien is that they are so biologically different than us. It might as well be from another planet or another dimension because it's hard to look at them and realize that they're thinking and talking to each other. That they have, everybody at home is the mushroom synthesizers. So they literally developed a synthesizer that gets plugged into mushrooms. And that's, it's not neural pulses. It's not their, it's not a neural pulse, but it's their version of a neural pulse. Every sound that thing makes is them thinking, is them talk, is them doing, the, you know, them internally doing stuff. But it's not something that most people think is possible. Uh, and so I know we're going to talk about our buddy Bob here in a
3: second. So, like, next time you see that big mushroom in your yard, say hi, you don't want to just run over and kick it like a fuel goal. <laughs> Treat it with a little more, you know, dignity. And I promise <laughs> I'm about to
2: talk about your pineal gland thing. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but Bob, so everybody at home, Bob is the single largest living thing to ever exist, as far as we know. And that's a really broad term. You know, we only actually know about 1% of 1% of all life that's ever existed on this planet. Yeah. So that's 1%. Of 1%.
3: He may be a little smaller than giant trees, but... Oh my god, I hate you. I I hate you, hate you, hate you. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, it was a bad episode for me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now you got me all off track. Bob, Bob, he is roughly 220 acres if you were to put him as one solid block. And that's only if he goes down as... So he's a honeycomb mushroom. That's his species, that's the family he belongs to. There are smaller ones. We have them here in Ohio. They're not 220 acres big, but we have a similar species to Bob. Uh, so if he's classically just as deep, so most people don't realize, the thing you see that you call a mushroom is the the budding body. That's the sexual organs. The most of the mushroom is underground. It looks more like a big pile of internet cables. Uh, that's the actual entity. That's the actual living thing, is that what you see and what you pick and eat is the sexual body. Um. So, Bob, if you took all of his underground bits, if he's classically just as deep as a normal honeycomb, he is 220 acres if you put them all together. He has a whole national forest on his back that recently they just so Bob is integrated, not just talking. We used to think they just talk to trees. He's not talking to these trees. He's integrated and actually controlling what they produce for him. And Bob, there's fossil, not fossil evidence, there's geo evidence. That Bob has selectively been killing sections of forest on his back to promote grassland growth to re-neutrify the soil. And he does this like a big wheel over his back so he makes sure he has food. So he is taking care of this entire forest because it's beneficial to him. He is integrated in insects. He's integrated in plants and other fungi. How they discovered Bob. You guys ever hear the story how they discovered Bob?
0: Yeah, I think so. With the know so the, the tree.
2: They they cut and they did a core sample into the ground and they cut one of his major roots off.
3: Yeah. And a
2: hundred acres of trees died the next day.
3: Yeah, These trees could it.
2: no longer function without Bob. And they didn't know what happened. It was like fall overnight. Like every tree lost its leaves and died that night. Then they started discovering they started doing DNA testing. We didn't know how big Bob was until we had DNA evidence. So we started taking a cell from this mushroom over here and this mushroom halfway across the forest and that one way over there on top of the mountain. Like, oh, they're genetically identical. So they must be clones did some more research, but it's basically like dyes, uh, colored dyes. We're like, oh no, they're all the same thing. They're not just clones. It's all him. They're all connected. So we really don't know how big Bob is, but people like to say 220 acres. Uh, Bob thinks Bob can transfer data across his, his whole system from one side to the other faster than any mammal. So the neural time it takes, like, let's say you pinched a blue whale's tail. How long that signal took to get to the brain and bounce back is like half a second or something like that. Not very long, relatively. When you're talking about a hundred twenty foot long creature to react to get a signal of pain or just any sense and then react, Bob can do it like three or four times faster. It's not possible, but it is. Wow, it's insane. It's, they,
3: it's conventional biology. They shouldn't exist. I have a feeling someone's going to create a movie now of like this giant mushroom forest that just eats people, Bob like well, miles away.
0: I was actually listening to a, uh, uh, it was like an, uh, uh, an audio horror drama. Uh, it's, it's this one different show. And, and there were these, <laughs> there were these almost like zombie, like creatures, you know, they were humans, but they were zombie like creatures, but they were being controlled completely by psilocybin mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that were operating and kind of you know releasing spores onto these people and like controlling everything that they did and just that entire concept, you know, in here. What's it, the video game? Uh, game? Oh, uh, uh...
2: with the clickers. That those are fungus too. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name of that I, game. I don't either. know. Emily and her dad used to play it, and I can't remember. It, but that's a fungus-based horror game where it's the whole thing is fungus. They're all fungus. I remember calling Jay and screaming that into the phone. No, they're all (laughs) mushrooms. They're all all mushrooms. Yeah, yelling. Uh, Because it just finally clicked one day. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so Bob's humongous. Bob is an amazing thing, and there's a couple other members of his family that are quite large. But Bob may go deeper than we want to believe. This is where we talk about with archaeology and other biology, is that we don't look outside the box because we think we know everything in the box. We only look for what should be there. We don't go past this.
3: Anthropology.
2: Yeah, we don't go past these levels. We don't go past these marks. Because technically we've never seen it before. The whole planet's full of stuff we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. So look a little deeper. Bob may go down, you know, most of their species don't go lower than eight foot deep. Maybe Bob goes 10. That may double his size. Maybe Bob goes down 15. You know, he may be and that he may be a hundred times bigger at that time. Maybe Bob goes down a hundred foot. Maybe there's a cavern down there and it's all Bob. <laughs> I think we have, don't know, like you know, tunnels and stranger things under the town. So Bob, like I said, uh, is 44 000 to 45,000 years old by most estimates. Uh, but I believe he's much older, probably pushing a hundred or so. Uh, just, I think these, I also think he's a lot bigger than people give him credit for. Uh, he's been here. He's their species been here long before us. And they'll be here long after, but like you said, with pineal gland and people, opening up to, you know, opening up that side of their brain and talking to things. And you ever done the psychedelic test with those entities? Or heard anybody do the test with them. So to see if they're actually entities and not just figments of your brain, because you're also doing a psychedelic. So not only do you have the possibility of opening up to maybe some other way or other thing on this planet or this plane, you're also tripping your brain out. So, who's to tell whether it's something real or something you're making up? You do the test. You ask for. So, supposedly, these entities that exist in this world have been getting all of our information buzzed to them electronically since we met at the internet. And that's the only way they found out about us. They didn't know about us, even though they've been living here a lot longer than we have. And I'm getting at these are mushrooms, these are fungi that are around us. Yeah. They've been getting this information since the internet, since we've been putting it out into the air. That's when they discovered us. Because their way of life, their life cycle is so different than us. We're just as, keep on, we're just as alien to them as they are to us. So they have just as much trouble understanding us as we do them. I think we're very animate. We talk. We have very complex emotions. We, uh, we're not one thing, even though we move as one, we don't move as one. So you ask these entities for something real simple, but something you wouldn't know. You ask them for like an address of a dentist's office in Australia and see if they give you an address. And I picked that because Finding Nemo. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sherman, whatever way.
0: 243 Uh, Wallaby Sherman, whatever it is. Yeah,
3: P Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. There we go. That's it. That was it. (laughs) Holy crap. That
0: was the most impressive thing all night.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you ask them that and see what you get back. But as you were talking about, these, these things seem to express a lot of excitement that you figured out this way to talk to them. That's been, that's the common thing with psilocybin trips. Is that when you talk to these things, they seem really excited. Like I'm, we're so glad you figured out this way to talk to us. We're so it's not like your classic extraterrestrials or interdimensional creatures, because they're not, in my opinion. You're talking to something that's probably outside your house that is so excited to talk to you because it knows you're there, but it can't experience you. Like we know they're there, and we can't experience them. We're on different wavelengths. We're in different planes of existence, even though we're sharing. that We're occupying the exact same space. And we can do stuff to directly affect each other negatively and positively. But we can't talk to a mushroom. You can't walk outside. You can, but you can't. You're not going to get a reply. And who's to say it's going to understand that? It's just getting all this information buzzed to them. And when we go in these maybe, and that's the maybe. This is all, everything that I've said tonight is speculative. (laughs) (laughs) You are communicating with these things that are living outside, these large mushroom clusters. and you're talking to them and they're talking to you. So that's that's kind of the thing with the, the opening the pineal gland and stuff like that. Uh, there are negative entities, I do believe, that may be using that. I'm very religious. I'm Christian. I do think demons can use about anything they want to, you know, get to you. Um. So you got to be really careful when you're talking to anything. Everybody, never use a Ouija board, please. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Especially tripping on trooms. Don't use one. Wii- yeah. No.
2: He, yeah. You know right. what you should be doing when you're tripping on shrooms is sitting in a beanbag chair and relaxing,
0: <laughs> <laughs> talking to Carl the mushroom out in your front
3: yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: What do we name the one? I can't remember. We named it out back. I can't remember. That
3: was that was a summer, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I don't remember. It was big though. Like
2: he got big because I wouldn't let Doug kill him. <laughs> your dog, your German Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> knock him over, knock the 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 stamen over. Right. Yeah. They have gills and stamen. Very weird, very, very odd entities. Uh, their, their biological background is very muddy. So like I said, we had mycelia network fossils from 810 million years ago. Everything else then was slime. If you want to believe classic evolution and stuff like that, and I don't, as in the full theory of evolution, I do believe species adapt over time, yada, yada, yada. I do believe in a crater, you know. So take what you will from what i say. But if you look at the classic fossil scale, at that time period, nothing else was very developed. But these guys already had their mycelium networks nailed. So they've had a long time to get better. So yeah. when most creatures went before even plants were on dry land. Mushrooms were the size of small houses.
3: They were the trees. Mm-hmm.
2: So they've been around in a very complex form for a very long time. I do think they are probably the first intelligent entities on the planet and they just they live such long life cycles and they live such a different life cycle than anything else on this planet they manipulate so 95% i did leave this statistic out 95% of plants on this planet could not exist without fungus at some point in their life cycle wow That's, every plant could not exist right now they either use it to the germinate their seed they use it at some point of reproduction they can't if mushrooms disappeared tomorrow 95 percent of plants would go extinct within a year that is and nice. fungus is also fungus is also found in every environment on the planet from deep sea thermal vents to antarctica they live in the ice they don't care uh to the upper atmosphere we find them up there in small so i think there's bigger ones i think that's your silver disc
0: Man, I love it. I'm
1: very
2: excited to meet you.
0: (laughs) I love (laughs) it. I love all of this. It's just, gosh.
1: This is uh just goes right back to what I've been saying. Mushrooms rule everything.
2: I I think they're very indifferent to us normally, too. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like you said, like
0: okay. Think about it this way. Yes, they're living in the same space, talking about, you know, physical plane, all of this and that. But, you know, even with like say pets, like like your dogs, you can still communicate with your dogs. It may be through like body language and and certain, you know, barks and yelps and, and the way they wag their tail and the excitement when they see you and the sadness when you mm-hmm. scold them. There's still ways it may not be like spoken language but there's still ways to communicate with your pets and i just mentioned dogs yeah absolutely but with these things there's not there's no real way to communicate in an emotional way that you you know what they're thinking like they don't exactly. know what we're thinking so when you look at it from from that realm or that line of thought why would they care You know, why would it matter to them what we're doing as long as we are not, you know, taking a core sample and drilling through a giant root and killing off half of a system (laughs) that it's trying to operate to feed itself. But even then, it's probably like, well, you know, yeah, that's it happens. But there was a glacier.
2: There was a glacier on my back 10,000 years ago. (laughs) For real. For real.
0: That's I mean, it it took out the pyramids in Antarctica that I built. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, we had a we had a listener email us about that that oh, they're God. fueling stations for flying mushrooms
0: holy
2: crap it's uh i'm trying to get him on the show because it's a very complex idea that i don't fully grasp but he has a he hasn't worked out
3: uh you're talking about
0: oh my gosh
3: i know we know nothing we know we nothing. really know nothing so I just forgot what
2: I was going to say. They're, they seem to be very excited to us. And I think it's the same thing. So why are humans really excited about aliens? Because we're worried about being alone. We're worried nope. about being the only sentient being here. And it feels very lonely in the void. Uh, I think they feel the same way in some time or in some aspect. It's some, their version of that feeling. So I think that's when they connect with us. That's why they're so excited. It's because it's proof. Hey, we're not alone. They're basically living like we said a hundred times already in an alien environment on the same plane. The way they function, you're not talking about an animal. You're not talking about a mammal. You're not talking about an animal. You're talking about something that's so much more ancient that it actually looks like animals broke off of fungi a long time ago. So they were here first for a long time. So it's just, I, I really, I fully believe they're sentient uh it's some form whether you want to believe they're like us and they're sitting there talking to each other and they're having this really in-depth conversation about uh us on this other plane these creatures move so fast it's like ghosts and every once in a while we get a transmission from them and every once in a while tim you know somebody gets abducted tim <laughs> it's just yeah so you have it's just so weird uh but the we don't understand the neural pulses and that they're not neural pulses i don't want somebody to write and complain <laughs> their, their version of neural pulses they think they we just don't know how to read it yet because it's such a foreign system like we've said already i know i repeat myself a lot it's an alien and as in the aspect of it being so biologically foreign to us it's like getting handed a language with no atlas or no description of the
3: letters or anything like that that like you the, do not understand like the boynch manuscript yeah written by a mushroom there you go yeah. it was yeah you get
2: handed
1: this this all leads back to aliens dropped them here to terraform this planet to what we needed it to be Mm.
3: Mm. see they terraformed this planet for them what if like you know the day comes where you know you pass on to the afterlife and for the sake of the argument let's just say you believe in that too you know, you you're ready to meet your maker, you know, the the <laughs> blinding lights dim down, you see who it is, and it's just one big old mushroom. If God is a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ryan, stop licking God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you going to go out back and talk to him
3: again? <laughs> call him God now? Yeah, I better not. That's our neighbors not... are, think we are crazy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jay's in the backyard calling the Mushroom. They're God. Hands yeah. eight. Hey, was... God. <laughs>
3: praying, praying,
2: yeah. The poor neighbors. They're nice, but they know we're weird. <laughs> I have a, a nine-foot Bigfoot in the backyard that looks yes. into their yard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. God bless them because
2: they're good neighbors. Yeah,
0: they ha- they, they would have to be. Much. They would have to be. That's like the, all the people around me and Ryan too. They're just completely fine with us being super weirdos and doing and saying the <laughs> things that we do.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of worse things out there. This this sure. house
2: is basically a zoo, and the neighbors' little girls will come over and play with the animals and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> got tortoises and turtles and snakes and salamanders, birds. What else am I forgetting?
3: Oh gosh. Well...
2: A lot, lot of fish, fish, a lot of fish, tortoises. I think he said that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Yeah. They're all fungus. <laughs> yeah.
0: Fungus is among us.
2: name of the, one of our best episodes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, y'all go check that one out. Go do it. Yeah. you folks. check that episode out. That's what led this match made in fungi heaven with Mushroom <laughs> God. <laughs>
2: Yeah. What do you guys think? I I didn't give you a chance to talk. I know I'm bad. I do it to Jay. Not my show.
1: Dude, you were blowing my mind. This is... Like, all these theories I've had, as you're speaking, I'm like, shit, that fits. Shit, that proves that to me.
3: Some puzzle pieces connect.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's like you're saying. Yeah, even even if it is a small percentage of the ufos that are that are seen that are witnessed that are observed even if it is just a small percentage you take that just take that abduction aspect of it you know a lot of these abductees will will talk about or or for years and years and years say well i just thought it was a dream i just thought that it was you know this or mm-hmm. that you know it was some form of out of body experience you know, something in the astral plane, something. Well, what they describe, it sounds a lot like someone describing a psychedelic trip. So Mm -hmm. if you had a living organism that wanted to use humans, just for instance, as a host, as a carrier, as some way to further advance their agenda, whatever it may be, Dude, that makes sense. Like, well, all I gotta do is give them a little dose of me. They're gonna freak out for a while. I can just feed whatever info I want to feed into their brain. How many times do these abductees say, well, these entities never spoke to me, but everything was telepathically?
2: It's Cause and, yeah, because you're you're creating that thing. And that could evolve because think about so that's the whole thing. Is this couldn't just come from them using people? It's had to be a long term system. That they've already developed. If you're tripping out a cow, uh, not a cow. Let's use the, the scientific Bos taurus, the prehistoric version of cow, the non-domestic cows called Bos taurus or Bos indigus That you want them to be really calm. If you're going to try to insert what your version of an embryo is in them, you're going to want them to be still. <laughs> so you get trip them out, and that cow is just staring into space, <laughs> and it's just imagining a happy day. And then you plant the embryo, and you just got to remember what cow it was, and you come back three so months to take it back out.
0: <laughs> Let's mark this. That's also how branding was invented.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Fun yeah. fact. Fun fact. We learned
3: from mushrooms.
0: Property of mushroom aliens. <laughs> Ryan, uh, I was, I, like- I was, Ryan, I was going to say earlier. We need to put that on a T-shirt, but I think that would probably be a terrible, terrible idea for a T-shirt. What? Don't lick God. That That's a, <laughs> that's a terrible T-shirt idea. Don't,
2: Don't lick God. God you have to explain the T-shirt to everybody you see, and that's the problem. <laughs> that
0: would be the issue. That would be, that the, would
2: issue. be the issue. People would be like, what? Have- what? what? what is a lot this? of church moms angry with you. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah we have that anyway. We have yeah. that anyway. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to lead a teen ministry and have a rhyme. That's hard. <laughs> it's a hard
2: That's thing to
3: balance. They
1: need both sides of the story
2: here. <laughs> so, me and Emily, are me and my wife, four H advisors, and I'm actually on our for our county. I'm on the uh, the fair committee and the poultry committee. I help run a lot of stuff with kids. And every once in a while, there'll be a kid come up and be like, and ask me about bigfoot or something like that. I got to look at their parent doing. Like, well, how much does your dad want you to know? <laughs> like, are you guys going camping this year? Or like, do you want me to just tell you he's a friendly forest giant? Like, and I'm looking at the dad or the mom most of the time. Like, you want me to really answer this or not? <laughs> right? Or what are aliens? It's like, I, I, we get weird questions at 4-H. Oh, I bet. Because we're those people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Well, we've, uh. Our show, they've been, I have no idea why. I am i think I need to write a complaint. But teachers at our local high school have been showing certain episodes of our show, like in class, to these students and stuff. So there's like, you know, kids in my teen ministry, friends of my kids, because I have two kids in high school. Like they're coming up and they're asking these questions and they're like, I saw a Snapchat story the other day that had my face like screenshotted here on YouTube and it said, I don't even remember. But like I seen a, a a picture of me on this Snapchat story from one of these kids and I'm like, "What? what is going on here? Number one, <laughs> what kind of teachers are letting your kids <laughs> listen to this stuff? Because yeah. sometimes we get a little colorful. And number two, how did this happen? I, I, don't, I don't have a clue how this happened. I told
1: Justin what I need to do is give him the talk and explain how to make a baby, but not all at once, just intermittently throughout the episode, like interrupt a guest even. <laughs> and then teach him about if you don't want a baby, the only 100% thing is, you know, number two hole, the poop hole loophole. <laughs> poop hole
2: loophole. So, I did a very similar thing with Jay's address. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, I thought you were talking about the poop hole loophole. No. did a very
3: similar thing.
2: I slowly gave out Jay's address through like all of season one of our show. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody really wanted to find Jay, they could. Yeah, thanks. Nah. Oh, nice. It's like that. It just we had to be randomly one section of the address in one of the episodes. Good luck. Here you go
3: yeah your little hints here and there breadcrumbs
2: yeah that's i should that's just awesome. put it in the description of episodes yeah yeah
3: <laughs> so i i well i know you're a christian i
2: believe you're both are christians right yeah sure or no yeah <laughs> yes i don't know yes. i just i just wonder how does this stuff affect your guys's faith because it's kind of you know in this kind of field you know you don't find a whole lot of very religious christian people because the, i think it all goes hand in hand personally Uh, you can't have one without the other kind of deal, but I just, I'm curious to hear more.
0: Well, that's the way I've always felt and thought about it as well. Um, you know, I've, I've always from the time, well, I can't say always, I got, you know, God saved me back in, uh, 2014, I think 2013, 2014. And, you know, it was one of those things, um, Beforehand, like all this ancient alien stuff, you know the Anunnaki, the you know all this ancient history, the gods and the God. Like I was all in it. So, when God did save me, and He was like, "Okay, look, this is your paradigm now. This is your worldview. This is what this means." You know, that's the that's the stuff I started diving into, and I was like, "Okay, so how do I explain this? How does how does the Bible explain this?" Because You guys know as well as I do, and and you hear it all the time. The modern-day church don't do a very good job of, you know, lining up and saying, well, yeah, these are people's stories. This is what people are seeing. This is what's going on in the world, and here's where you can find it biblically. It's either just, well, no, you're crazy. That doesn't exist. That's not real. Or, you know, something along those lines. Or we're just going to shun you, you know, turn our back and say, I don't know. So when you look at it and you find out and you realize like I did that the Bible is one of the most supernatural books that's ever been written. And we have a supernatural God who can do whatever he wants to do, can create whatever he wants to create, can use whatever situation. And I mean, he spoke all this into existence. So you're telling me that a God that spoke me and you sitting here talking to each other hundreds of miles away over a screen into existence that we can't have a, uh, a cloud of amoebas that are getting really, really, really full. And then regurgitating blood onto a city. I mean, sounds to me like something that happened in G in Egypt, in Exodus.
1: Also, if if this is a simulation, you can have whatever they program.
0: Yeah. Well, even looking in, even looking into simulation theory, like people will say, Well, if you're a Christian, you can't believe in simulation theory. You can't believe.
1: Well, why not?
0: What is the same
1: thing? God spoke to Siri and had Siri create.
0: (laughs) I believe. I believe that we are getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the technology that they talk about that Jesus himself talks about in the days of Noah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you have in the beginning, God spoke creation into existence and now i can sit in my recliner and speak to a little whatever it is and have my lights turn on and off and my tv turn on and off and the volume change and whatever music or podcast or, or movie or whatever i want to have happen happen you know i am creating something in my physical world in my reality mm-hmm How's God any different than what a computer programmer does? Say a computer programmer sits down, creates a open world video game to where this character or these sets of characters make all of these decisions. Everything is based on, and like in real life, I believe you have these NPCs just walking around doing the same old same thing day after day after day. I think we work uh-huh. with some. I think so too.
1: <laughs> I just it's don't I know him glitched out today.
0: He did. he did. He did. Ryan actually called him on. He was like, yep, there it is. NPC proof. We're living in a simulation right there.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was trying to speak, and it was like he had a stroke or something. He just,
3: yeah. did did he all his words
1: went haywire. No.
3: Okay. Yeah, he, gl- <laughs> he glitched.
2: Sure. Yeah, did he just walk away after he started slurring? Like- <laughs> nah, he for he was sure good. glitched. Okay. I I guess I I guess having a stroke. Glad we got
3: out
0: of there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really close one. (laughs) But no, I just I think that it's something that that you have to have an open mind. And I know that was a really, really long, drawn-out answer to No. (laughs) For me, all this stuff strengthens my faith. And it actually strengthens my relationship with Christ and with God because You know, this is what me and Ryan talk about a whole lot. I've never found anywhere in the Bible that says thou shalt not question God. Well, if I don't ask questions, how is my relationship going to get more intimate? if me if me and my wife if i never ask her any questions if i never ask her about her day if i never ask her about her interests if i never ask her about her favorite things if i don't if i'm not intrigued enough to want to know her in a personal intimate relationship way there's never going to be that closeness you're not going to be close so that's the mm-hmm. same way that i view my relationship with god is if I don't ask these questions and then go in prayer and go to the word and try to find the biblical viewpoint in these things, you know, that's that's I'm drifting away. Because then it's the world and me telling me what I need to think about it. That's just
3: my opinion. That makes sense. I like that. I like that thought process.
1: We have one question.
3: Yeah, why, why do I?
1: shark? Why do sharks get endless teeth, and we only get one set? Yeah, what's the answers?
3: I don't know. Not I like me. fish I don't, too.
2: I don't. Unfortunately, <laughs> I do not have all the answers. Jay thinks well, that I was, do. Well, that oh, was for that was for certain God. fields. Okay, good. <laughs> don't lick him. Was I'm that,
0: not. <laughs> was that for real, God or mushroom
2: God? Boom. Yeah, which one? I was gonna yeah. say
1: yes. To whom it may concern. Yes. <laughs> I'm
2: filling out this letter to whom it may concern. Just leave it by the mushroom in the front
0: yard. Yeah, Look, I, I'm also a firm believer that there's a whole bunch of gods, small g gods, small g gods. You know, one most That's high, the important, yeah, one most high, a whole bunch of one small creator, g. exactly. So, in this to whom it may concern letter, you may want to be careful with that one too. Cause there's a whole it's lot right. of them out there listening.
1: Uh, hey, hit they're me concerned. Up, Odin. That's hit me up, Odin. That's
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really off topic. That's what we're kind of famous for. You just said Odin. You guys ever heard of the flannel man? Yes, yes, that's something I think actually... that's modern day Odin. <laughs> could be
0: because he has most
2: of the time it has one eye and stuff I've... like that, and it's a yeah. slumberjack style Norwegian guy.
0: Dude, I've never thought about that until you just said that. That's something that I've been looking into recently. I think
2: it's whatever that deity is or whatever that entity is, I think it's the modern-day version of Odin. Because there's some weird stuff that happens with it, too. And sometimes it's a female, but still almost always missing the one eye. Come
1: on, man. It's just Anthony Hopkins. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Sir, yes. He earned that.
0: Dude, that does make sense. Like that's, that's crazy. Oh man. That, that leads. Oh, I got more research to do.
3: (laughs) The research is never ending.
0: It is never ending. Like I'll be working on something and then just all of a sudden a thought popped up and and then it's done. I'm done with it completely. It's, it's just endless rabbit holes. I showed Ryan like a page and a half of notes That I had taken from last night because, uh, well, that's a long story. It's a really long story. But I was looking up one certain entity, we'll say demonic entity, but I was looking at what I believe in all of these different cultures and civilizations, the name that these people had for her. You know, and what you know how, how she was represented and, and symbolized and what she stood for in all of these different cultures, you know, the names that she stood out, and how in almost all of these she had a male consort, you know, in you know, everything from Canaanite to Babylonian to Egyptian to Germanic to Swiss to Scots-Irish to you know, it's it's all in mythology, it's all in folklore. It's in their ancient writings and how, you know, all these different things wrap in and I'll just throw a big hint out there because you hill folk probably already know who I'm talking about. Um, She's usually represented as being bird-like or having bird feet or.
2: Hillary Clinton. That's it.
0: That's it. That's the modern day version.
2: (laughs) I knew I got it. Yeah. That's
0: the modern day version. But no, I was, I was showing Ryan today. I had like a page and a half of notes on my phone that I had just like pulled from and copied and pasted. And I was even going in, you know, down rabbit holes like, okay, where we live, these two certain entities are the ones that are spoken about, you know, way more often than any others. The, this female and male God, goddess, consort that always ran in tandem. Where do they come from? What do they look like in Scotland and Ireland and and Wales specifically and in Germany specifically? Because that's who came into this area and just locked in and stayed. Mm -hmm. So with their thoughts and ideas and culture and mythology and lore and background, when they came from the homelands and settled here, In central Appalachia, it's almost like, okay, these entities are there. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But it's almost also as if they're a type of tulpa. Like, because these people settled here and because they had this thought process and when something went wrong, well, it was automatically, you know, such and such. That's like, I believe that people have actually seen Santa Claus, because I believe that you can speak as a whole collective, a whole group. I think you can speak, manifest things into reality.
1: Justin, dude,
0: I'm That's telling fine. you. Which you Justin? see
1: what I got to deal with, Justin. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I kind of believe the same thing, though. So no, like, I think Santa's—I think Santa's real. Just so everybody knows. Oh yeah, i <laughs> well, no, I literally talked about this on Saturday night. I was on another show with our buddies. I got drunk and I talked <laughs> about it for like an hour. <laughs> I, I think Santa's real.
0: <laughs> I'm with
2: you.
1: He was a Do long you know, time ago. No,
2: I think the <laughs> the spirit of Santa Claus still exists. As in, not a physical thing as Santa. Do you guys know about the layaway Santa guy every year? Yep. So, mm-hmm. so every year he goes to a couple Walmarts to the U.S. and everything on layaway, because, you know, if you're already using layaway, it's probably not the best the best situation you're in and stuff like that. And he just pays for everybody's layaway uh, for Christmas. And he goes through like, several Walmarts like, randomly through the U.S., I think that is Santa Claus, as in not the actual man that's doing it, but the this the, the spirit of it is Santa. It's a good deed with no reward, no justification, and no acknowledgement. He doesn't want anybody to know who he is. He just goes in. The one i I can't remember last year was like a half or it was a million dollars or something like that, because uh, he spends about a million dollars every year on it. But like one Walmart had like sixty eight thousand dollars at one Walmart on layaway. And he's just like, here's, here's the money. Uh, Just call everybody on the layaway list, tell them to come get their presents for the year and just be done with it. So that's what, when I say, I believe in Santa, I believe that Santa is not a fiscal guy or he was, you know, like you were saying, St. Nicholas was a real person, but that spirit still exists in the world and still does things like this. And it's just like the goodwill or whatever you want to call it, that is Santa. The non-justified, the not you don't get anything out of
3: it. That is, guess I guess, Santa.
2: I guess I said that a lot better than I did on Saturday night. Yeah, <laughs> it's,
3: it helps when you're not under the influence.
2: I was smackered. <laughs> <laughs> We'd already been recording for like two hours, and that was at the very end. I was going to say, that didn't yes. take an hour. No, I yeah. was not <laughs> see my hand. <laughs> and they were asking me questions. Yeah. Oh man!
3: Look, I'm, I'm sitting in the seat like I believe in Santa. So
2: Lean <laughs> on the mic stand, hammered. <laughs> I have a problem.
1: <laughs> I got yeah, no I, problem drinking. <laughs>
2: oh, it's not that I don't get the problem drinking. It's the next day. Yeah, yeah. that's when the problems come because I can't when I look at my hand again and then it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? It it hurts to look. That's a problem.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's
0: never a good thing. Santa's real, Jay. I think the Justins are together on this one. Santa's real. So what Justin is trying to tell you, Ryan, is the spirit of Santa is possessing some form of physical person or whatever and making them go into these places
1: you and, know, I was, I was here when he told all
0: But to know, I just want you to know, I just want you to know, I just want you to know that the spirit of Santa it's is possessing, down. is possessing people. <laughs> Let's see. I hope you get possessed by Santa. That'd be the greatest possession ever. No. <laughs> you just start being like, uh, uh tim allen. tim allen tim yeah. allen yep that's it you'd be tim <laughs> allen and all of a sudden you have this big white beard you're super huge bad yeah, christmas, like christmas, for,
1: christmas for some kids that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, as i see it the only thing you need this christmas your ass busted that's what you need <laughs> hey, some kids do need it
2: for sure oh,
1: i'm telling you
2: for- i work with a lot of kids and you know who you are if you listen
3: to this. <laughs> and they need it. As Buzzman <laughs> Santa's coming. I think I only
2: ever got my butt beat like four times growing up. But I was in fear
3: of it every other time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My mom's famous line was, touch your toes. Touch your toes. <laughs> and you had to reach out and touch them if you, and whack. <laughs> Jay's mom was three foot tall. It worked. It worked. I only touched my toes a handful of times.
0: (laughs) Well, I was a, I was a mean little kid, uh, you know, hence the red hair. And (laughs) I spent a lot of time at my grandma's, um, my mamaw's. She, you know, when my mom would be working, dad worked a whole lot. So I spent a whole lot of time there with her watching. And she has never, ever, 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 ever. spared the rod, and by rod I mean nice willow switch. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they wrap, son, they wrap around. Oh yeah. (laughs) So I got old enough at one point that you know she would. The worst part, she would make me go pick my own switch.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was gonna say that my grandma said to my mom.
0: And every year, or you know, every year, every time I knew what you know, if I didn't go get it, she was gonna go get it anyway. Well, I, I got older, and I thought I got a little smarter. So I was like, you know what? Forget this. I found this big old dead, just soggy, but it was like 20 pounds, dude. It was a club. It was flipping yeah. huge. I was like, I'm going to bring this back to her. So I brought it back to her. She looked at me. She said, uh-huh. You think you're real smart, don't you? Grab the rail. It was a banister on the porch. So I grabbed and I was like, there's no way she's going to hit me with this. Dude, she broke that <laughs> sucker across the bottom of my back. And then make, <laughs> and then go made me pick the right switch after I was half <laughs> paralyzed.
3: Should've smart.
0: But never again. Um, <laughs> I, I am
3: thirty-three. Years, I am
0: thirty-three years old, and every time I walk through that lady's front door, she'll grab a switch up off the dining room table and strike me on the way by. And I'll say, "Mama, what was, <laughs> what in the world was that for?" She said, "I know you earned it." I know you've done something that deserves it. <laughs> she's still be right. Me, she's still keeping me honest. Oh, that's
3: awesome! It's a way to be. You can't beat grandma's.
0: No, nah, dude, she's she's the best, best granny witch out there. <laughs> Boys, this has been a blast. This has been a whole lot of fun. I mean, I don't even have a clue how long we've been going. I just know that it's after midnight now at this point.
3: And,
0: uh, I got to work in the morning, same, (laughs) But, but dude, it's worth it. It's worth it to be able to, to come together and have these conversations and, and to, you know, you hear, you know, we talk about as content creators, you're also fan, you know, fans of other people's content. You take all this stuff in and it's one thing to like, listen to you guys talk about some of this stuff on other shows and your own show, but it's a different kind of thing to sit, you know, face to face. I'm still going to say face to face. I'm looking at you. (laughs) It's, it's cool to, to be here and to listen and, and to learn even more, you know, about more of these species that could be out there, you know, and to be able to ask the questions, to be able to, to you know to think on it in real time. It's it's this is a really cool thing to do. And like we say on here all the time, if if we never if we never got another a single download from here on out, I would still show up here. I would still schedule the meetings and the conversations and sit down and have them because dude, it's it's a blast. Mm -hmm. I love meeting other people. I love being able to sit down. We love you boys and what y'all are doing. This has been great. This has been great. Yeah. Ryan has been Ryan, Ryan's been pumped for this.
3: I'm
1: telling you, <laughs> it's it's like
2: well, glad, glad we could I deliver. Like, yeah, I definitely think the feelings mutual. Yeah, the pod family definitely grew today. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. Hashtag build the tribe. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's
1: what we like we'll,
2: to do, man. Oh yeah. Well, we love it. Thank you guys for having us on. It was a lot of fun. I know I talk a lot and it's a problem. Uh, Believe it or not, I did not talk as a kid and I'm getting back at it now. (laughs) Dale thought I was going to be a serial killer.
3: (laughs) That that ain't out of the window yet. I was getting ready to say (laughs) that's,
0: that's yet to be determined. (laughs) I
3: haven't got caught. A lot of time left. (laughs) You ever
2: hang out with, you ever hang out with Tony again? Ask him about me and the serial killer okay <laughs>
0: right. for sure we remember what i did
2: even right. what i did to him like two minutes into meeting him i know he did uh so thank you guys and we'd love to have you on at our show at some point here yeah. in the near future yeah just sure. the scheduling and stuff but yeah we'd love to reciprocate the the household love uh yeah but thank you guys for having us it was a ball
0: yeah absolutely man before we jump off here though you let the hill folk you guys let the hill folk know where they can find you Everything that you guys got going on, um, whatever you want to promote, whatever you want to push right now is your time to uh, to do some self-promotion. So hit it.
2: All right. So you can find us pretty much anywhere you're listening to these guys at, you know, we're on all the platforms. We are cryptids of the corn, cryptids Podcast. of the corn, corn, not the other word. I've gotten that <laughs> piece. Uh, people have said things. Uh, no. So we have Facebook. That's uh we do, uh, like live shows on Facebook and stuff that are interactive. We do that every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Uh, but we do some evening ones too. They're just not as scheduled. Uh, Instagram, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of us, besides the email, which is just cryptids of the corn podcast at gmail. Uh, but Instagram is another really easy way to get a hold of us. Facebook messenger. If you message me, I'll probably respond when you're not crazy. Um, you can find all our episodes on cryptids of the Oh, yeah. I built a website. That was a defeat. F- Yes, it was. It yeah, uh, very good. We have Patreon. If you love our content, uh, if you want extra content and stuff, we can, we keep the fam- the main show family friendly because, like I said, me and Emily both 4-H advisors, so we have a lot of families that listen, and there's a lot of families that enjoy us. so we try to keep that as PG as possible. Uh, Patreon doesn't get the same Passover, um, so, you know, we get more free with it and stuff like that because, in my opinion, you're going to a paid site, so... You know, you know what you're getting into at that point.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but we do Patreon. What do we do on Patreon?
3: Yeah, we do trivia. We do movie nights. We do uh, you extra get bonus episodes. You got, bonus bonus episodes. got a lot of bonus episodes. episodes, extra content. Yeah, like you were saying, stuff we can't really dive into on the normal show. Yeah. Um, uh, I forget anything. I know I'm bad with self promotion. I think we covered about everything. I think all that we got going on. All right.
2: Thank yeah. you guys again. It was a blast. I love yeah, talking. Oh, Thank you, tell,
3: man. Spent yeah, a lot of fun. fun.
2: Yeah.
0: Hopefully, you learned about an animal you didn't know existed yet. Yeah, like twenty
1: five. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I did. always fun. It's always fun to learn that uh, mushrooms are shaped like penises for a reason because it's just a bunch of dicks sticking out by the. They ground. aren't going to tell you. Yep, yeah.
0: Basically. <laughs> technically, Ryan. Technically, penises are shaped like mushrooms.
1: Yeah, Ooh, they were here Ooh, first. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were here first.
3: Oh, we're emulating them. Oh gosh, this is a crisis. <laughs>
0: our our neural pathways. We're just trying our best to be as close to
3: to them as yeah. we can be. See, God is a mushroom in His image. You we're know,
1: you well, know art, right? They do.
3: <laughs>
0: they do say that, like you know, some alien theorists believe that aliens are just future humans coming back. And they have become so advanced, you know, biologically and their brain functioning and stuff. That's why they don't have to use spoken language that they can just communicate telepathically in whatever language it is, it, it doesn't matter. So maybe that is us just evolving to become more and more and more like these mushrooms Ooh. as the years go on.
3: Or big eyed Or freaks? we fully integrated with mushrooms by then
0: yeah
1: they,
3: they love doing that yeah they're hybrids mm. Mm. mystery solved there we continued. go we figured it out dump, we dump,
0: get <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get off now i just had to say that because it hit my brain <laughs> no, and, I yeah i um, super... you
3: guys i don't gotta work tomorrow
0: <laughs> yeah i'm super ADD. if i if it hits my brain i'm saying it i can't help yeah, it yeah it's way to be Anyway, Hill Folk, go check out these guys at Cryptids of the Corn. Flock to them. Swarm to them. Go check out all their stuff. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Well, you're not disappointed right now. You already heard them on this episode. You already know what you're getting. You already know that you love it. So show them the (laughs) same. Show them that same Hill Folk love that you guys show us because they're way smarter than us. They're better looking than us. Well, oh, yeah. than Ryan. Careful
3: with Bay. Well. Careful with they. <laughs> he he's pretty smart.
0: Oh <laughs> no! You're <no>. talking <No>.
2: the better looking <laughs>
1: thing.
0: No. Look, at this point, you're just you're guilty by association here, all oh, the way no, around, all the way around. Osmosis.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Osmosis. yeah. Integration.
0: Again. Here we go. <laughs> Hill folk, remember. Go follow us on all of our socials. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Appalachian Intelligence. Send us your stories at appalachianintelligence at gmail.com. Please go rate and review this show wherever you listen to podcasts. But most importantly, share the show. However you are most comfortable sharing this show, please share the show. Scream it from a mountaintop. Text all your friends. Text all your enemies. Text people that you don't like. Text that dude that that didn't show up and dished you for prom back twenty seven years ago, and say, "Hey, look, I found way cooler dudes than you ever thought about being." Buy one of these planes that that goes along the the coastlines at the beach and has <laughs> some kind of promotional message behind it, and just put, go to Appalachian Intelligence, uh, buy a billboard, put our faces on it. However you want to share the show, share it. Because that's the most important thing that you guys can do. We love you. Boys, I love all y'all. This has been a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> love everybody.
0: We're going to have to run this back. Heal folk. Until next time, we'll see y'all later. Love